You are listening to an episode of Red Hill Stories, discussions about faith, life, and Jesus. If you'd like to catch up on our other episodes, you can go to redhillschurch.com stories, or you can check us out on iTunes and on Spotify. Now, on to the next episode. Welcome to another episode of Red Hill Stories, discussions about faith, life, and Jesus. This is a special edition, I guess, of the podcast. Um, my name is Lyle Walker. I'm your host. Uh, but on this episode, we have Felicia Dilbert. Welcome. Hello, hello. Hello, hello. <laughs> uh, I say this is a special edition because I'm calling this the Coronavirus 2020 uh, episode <laughs> because we are having to do this remotely. That's true. That's true. We got to be careful, y'all. Social distancing. Um, No, normally we do this, you know, at my house or we meet up someplace and we do, you know, I like to do this in person, but uh, just because of schedules and different things happening in the world, that's getting kind of crazy. We decided to do a phone interview. So uh, maybe that's why things sound a little bit different, but um, I'm excited to have you on. Thank you. Thank you. I'm excited to be a part. This is going to be really good. Yeah. I always love just sitting down and talking with people about what Jesus has done in their lives. And we were just talking before we started recording and how one of the things I'm learning through this process, we're only three or four episodes in, um, is just how it's important for just, you know, the listener too to hear people's stories, but how important it is for the individual person just being interviewed to, to, to articulate things that they may have never really said out loud, you know, um, and just express what Jesus has done in their life in a way that just maybe no one's ever asked, or they never even said, you know, Hey, I never thought through this part of my life and why it's so significant. So I'm really excited about it. Definitely. Me too. Definitely. So, um, things that people probably don't know about Felicia, we'll get there in just a second, but I just, I I think this is a cool little thing. Like, um, Felicia and I, we've known each other for, gosh, uh, probably 10, almost 10 years now, uh, off yep, and on. Yep. We, we have a bit of a yep. history. We, we actually connected, uh, 10 years ago when we were both working at, um, this place, this, I'm not going to say it's a horrible place, but we can yeah. have a different discussion about, uh, <laughs> this particular time in our lives. But, uh, I, we, we both worked at ITT tech. Uh, it's no longer a thing anymore. I think they shut down. Right. But yeah, they did. They did. We got to know each other just working. I was in the admissions department and you did, wasn't it like community outreach or something like that? Yeah, community relations. Yep. That's what I did. Yep. I would go out into the community and, you know, recruit different people that wanted to be a part of giving back to students, you know, and then recruit speakers to come in for different events. So, yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting days, most certainly. But Interesting. when you pop yeah. back up at Red Hills, it's like that's the, actually you're the second person. Um, Audrey, also Copeland, she she, she, yeah. she worked. I think she came in after you, but it's the second yeah. ITT person that's popped back up in my life post those times. And um, right. I just think it's such a God thing because for me, you know, I haven't done my quote unquote story yet, but that those those four or five years of my life were probably the worst um yeah just who i was as a person and who where i was in my faith um was probably the doldrums like just like the i mean when you talk about rock bottom that was about as bad as i Mm -hmm. could ever be as a person and so for to have people pop back pop back up in my life post that um i just think it's a god thing because i was i've been always so worried that that's the lasting impression that people have of me (laughs) 
Uh, I hear you. And so to see you come back and just, I remember the first time you came to Red Hills and it was just like, hey, you know, uh, we were able to reconnect and um, I never got a sense from you that you were like, oh gosh, this guy, you know? No, um, no. I actually, Lyle, I feel the same way because <laughs> I agreed with you a little bit earlier because not that I knew that you were in that place in your life, but I was in my struggle too. Mm -hmm. I mean, right in the thick of it. And so I felt the same way when I came back in touch with you and then Audrey, you know, it's almost like, I want to embrace this person, but was my struggle showing, you know? <laughs> Did they know? Did they know how, okay. No, they don't know because they're not Did they really yet. know? Exactly. Yeah. So then it's all good. And you know, that that's when small talk is, it's real talk, as I say it, you know, right, to get right. all the good feelings. Absolutely. Yeah, all the good vibes. <laughs> That's right. Okay, so um, that was a bit of an icebreaker, but I want to go a little bit deeper there. Um, I always like okay. to start our discussions out with this because the point of Red Hill Stories, if this is your first time ever, you know, joining on on the podcast, um, is I want I want the people of Red Hills to be able to tell uh, what Jesus is tell the tell the church what Jesus has done in their life. But it's also a way for everybody to get to know each other just a little bit more because it's so difficult on a Sunday morning to get to know anybody on any more than just right. a, you know, small talk, as you were kind of saying earlier level. Mm -hmm. So I always like to start out with something like an icebreaker that says like, who, you know, who is Felicia and like, give us a little bit of stuff that maybe you wouldn't normally get on a Sunday morning. So like, what are some of your <laughs> likes and dislikes? So give us a little bit of that. Got it. Okay. Well, I am, um, first off, I, I'm a woman that loves Red Hills. Um, that's for sure. Um, I, uh, wow, something that a lot of people don't know is that um, I'm the oldest, um, which is, you know, that's not a real huge thing. I'm, I'm oldest in my family. Um, my mother's name was Phyllis Marie Williams, and my dad's name is Lee Henry Williams. And my dad actually named me as well as all my other siblings so it's i'm the oldest and i have a brother and then i have another brother and sister and we are all phyllis and lee's kids you know mm -hmm. and so he named all of us our first name is lee hmm. and a lot of people don't know that so the thing is i asked him one day i was like damn what was that about and he said well i always wanted to give you all a part of me and so you know, as we got older, we started making up our nicknames and stuff, but we had to keep each other straight. Mm -hmm. And so it's really funny. When I refer to them in this interview, I'll be using nicknames, which they don't they don't mind at all. But that's something that a lot of people don't know. So I go by Felicia. And um, yeah, you know, and I also goodness, love the beach. Love the beach. Can't wait until all this stuff is out of the way um, so I can get to the beach and just see the water. It's so relaxing. Tell us, what, what is your story? So, um, my story, um, I was raised in a small town called Pelham, Georgia. And um, my beginnings, my early life, um, as a little girl, I grew up in um, uh, on 402 Martin Luther King Boulevard um, in a house with my, my father, and my mom, and my grandmother also was present. And um, I was the oldest up until I was about four years old, and then my brother came along. <laughs> um, and I re his, name, his nickname is Bully, right? So Bully came along, and um, I loved him dearly. I, he was like my baby doll. Mm -hmm. um, I, but, you know, I, my father was hardworking, um, very disciplined man. Growing up um, in the South, 
as an African-American man, I now understand a lot of the different things that I did not understand at the time. Mm. Um, he and I get along awesome now, get along great. Um, my mother, absolute sweetest person anybody could meet. She was also very, very kind and loved to cook. Oh my gosh, my mama could cook. Mm. <laughs> and um, my grandma, she, she was pretty awesome. She lived with us and um, I always say that, um, she taught me how she did. She taught me how to pray. Um, we spent a lot of time together. She was my friend. She was a little short lady and um, long gray and white hair. I was long gray hair by the time I got older and remembered it all, all silver and beautiful. And um, she's had an anointing. Um, and I remember knowing from a very young age that I loved God. And I, I knew that there was higher and bigger um, and I, I could just tell from the way grandma would pray in the morning, she would be on her knees. I walked past her room and she would be on her knees on the pillow praying. And one day I asked her if I could pray with her. I was like, what are you doing? And she said, I'm praying, baby. And so I said, okay, well, I'll pray. So she said, okay, well, I'm going to put um, another pillow down for you under your knees. We're going to be praying for a long time. And so I was like, well, okay, grandma, this, this is okay. Show me how to do it. So... <laughs> So we were, we were. Grandma prayed for everybody, Amazing. everywhere, and um, it was a long prayer, you know. But <laughs> but I learned, and she was so precious. She was so precious. So what kind of like what kind of kid were you? You know, I was very very quiet um, at school. Very very quiet at school. Hmm. At home, I I loved playing with my brother, even though he was kind of bossy and stuff. Um, he, he is a trip, man, but he's cool. We, we get along great. He listens to this. He's going to be like, what are you talking about? But um, anyway, um, but yeah, I, I was very shy at school. Um, I was unfortunately teased because um, I actually had crooked teeth for many years, and I didn't even know my teeth were crooked um, because at home, who, who cares, you know? But um, I only got love and, you know, support. Um, it was not a thing, but at school, um, I remember one time this guy was telling me um, they kind of they kind of went in at the front, so they were crooked in the front, just the front too. Mm-hmm. And he was just like, you know, something negative, you know, to me. But because I was extremely shy and very sensitive natured, um, quiet, you know, I, it, it definitely hurt my feelings. So I didn't really open up much after that at school. But I did really well, got A's all the time. Um, I took ballet and jazz. Um, after school and that was fun you know and I love music I really did enjoy watching those music videos and, and I love dancing too like do you remember Living Color? Yeah. Okay so well, I wanted to be I wanted to be a fly girl I really okay. did. So I would dance with them when they would come on <laughs> I'm telling you I don't know I just loved it and I really thought that I was you know really doing it right and um you know, as I got older, I grew out of that phase, thankfully. But yeah, right. if we had if we had praise dancing, you know, at Red Hills, only girl. Okay, <laughs> I'll get with Marshall. We'll, we'll see what happens. <laughs> uh, so, what was it like? You know, so you know, you said your family. You know, you had a, a, a grandmother that really poured into you that you know, teaching you how to pray. So, what was like what? What was your early like faith life like? When did you first? I don't. I hate to say like when were you saved because I mean like that's no, such a yeah, loaded that's question. Fine. Yeah, but yeah. but when I, when was that experience with God? When did you start to really to believe deep in your heart that God existed and Jesus was real? And you started to you know having that you know walking out your faith. Yeah. Um, well, I grew up in um, 
New Hope Missionary Baptist Church and um, located on Oak Camilla Road. And so that was, that was like the, the place, that, of course, you know, every Sunday we went to church, um, my mom mm-hmm. and my family, we always went to church. And so that was a given. Um, I can say that I didn't always understand what was going on. You know, um, mm-hmm. I didn't, but I knew we were in church. It was important. And I knew that you should stay awake. You know what I mean? So I remember that. Now, um, really and truly, um, my, my other grandmother, my mother's mom, Margaret Acree, she's my nana. And um, she also went to the church with us. And so I would see her there. And, I, you know, it was a good feeling, you know, at church. Mm-hmm. But I, I began to really understand more about the word. Um, like my grandmother, um, my grandmother, Ossie Bell, who was my father's mom. Um, that's the one that lived with us. And she loved the 23rd Psalm. And she would read the word in a way that I just, I could feel it. You know, I could feel her emotion with the word. And I knew, I knew it was really special, you know. And so um, I, my mother got me a Precious Moments Bible um, one time. And, and we would come to Tallahassee to do like school shopping and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we'll probably get to this in a little bit. But I thought Tallahassee was like the biggest ever anyway <laughs> so I remember my precious moments bible you know I remember getting it I loved it and I began mm-hmm. to read it before school I would read it in the morning before school and I liked I liked the fact we had pictures in it and so I, when Jesus would come into town all the kids were happy you know and, mm-hmm. and it was just like oh wow okay so so Jesus is good you know and then I would mm-hmm. read the kids version of the different things my grandmother would talk about so so you you grow up in Pelham you're the shy little girl, you know, at school at least. Um, and then, you know, obviously, you know, you, you get into high school and, and your faith is growing. So tell us just a little bit about, you don't have to spend too much time about, about like late high school and college life, but give us an essence of like who Felicia was and a bit of your story there of just, you know, what it was like to be a senior in a small town like Pelham. Um, mm-hmm. And then moving into like you kind of go into the Tallahassee, the, going into college and then that experience. Yeah, for sure. Um, excuse me. I was in um, Pelham. I, I studied from kindergarten up until um, my 10th grade year. And so um, pretty much the same as what I described, you know, just now, you know, just kind of a wallflower at school, um, quiet. I, I will say that I ran for, um, I, I had this idea, right? Because my dad was really protective. So I had this idea that I could get out of the house and go to the football game if I ran for homecoming court. And so I did, and I won um, just to be like the, the representative, right? So this is the mm-hmm. thing. Like I said, I was very, very shy at school. So then I knew, okay, well, this is a football game that I can go to. So then, of course, me and my dad walking down the 40-yard line, <laughs> which I'm like, okay, you know. Um, but, but, yeah, you know, those are some fun times. And it's kind of interesting because people will be like, you're so shy. How did you do that? But really and truly, it, it was just really about, I really wanted to go out and, and see what was going on, you know, and even though my father was coming from a very protective place, um, mm-hmm. very strict place, we, we both agree now that that wasn't really the best method of, you know, of parenting. But he mm-hmm. meant well, I was the first girl, you know, so anyway. So yeah, so that you was saying, that. You, you were saying mm-hmm. that he just, I mean, he just, he wasn't overbearing anything. He just had a very... He, he didn't want you going out to football games. He didn't want you to experience that. And so going to a football game and becoming the homecoming queen was, was fairly huge for your family dynamic. Yeah, I mean, it was cool, but it was never like, 
you know, like, oh, wow. I mean, my mom was excited. You know what I mean? My dad would be like, yeah, okay, yeah. I got to go for this suit, you know, again. It was cool, but it was, yeah. they didn't know <laughs> why I was really running <laughs> for it, you know. And, and also, too, um, I just always been a high achiever. I wanted to meet the standard my father set of um, mm-hmm. being, being able to, you know, be strong and smart in this world. And, I mean, my father, I remember him saying, like, don't run. You're 11th grade year. You don't know anybody here. You're not going to win. And he meant well. He meant well. Yeah. You know, but his, his delivery was always a little little rough. We laugh about that now. But um, yeah. but I did. I won that one. And then, you know, in college, uh, and I'm sorry, in high school, I did as well. But it wasn't about, you know, I want to win. I want to win. It was just, again, I want to go out. I want to see. Yeah. And, and my father meant well. He really did. But um, that's just kind of that old time, kind of strict thinking. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but anyway, you know what, Lyle? Um, he and I both we talk a lot about this how that um, that type of social um, the lack of social interaction it really really mm-hmm. began to be an undercurrent in my life of mm-hmm. social issues I guess you could say it was the origin of some social things that to come in my life like in the tenth grade eleventh grade you know I didn't know then exactly what how it would show up later the lack mm-hmm. of being able to interact with people. And, and, you know, just really knowing, like, if you're out with friends, okay, what do you say when people are, you know, girls are talking about whatever? You know, I never really right. knew, like, well, what do you do? You know, I would just be, like, saying something awkward, like, well, what do you have in your purse? You know, and they're like, <laughs> what? You know, well, I have pens. And I have, I mean, you know what I'm saying? And it, it begins yeah, to yeah. be like, okay, this is, this is odd, you know? So I, I kept to myself a lot because I didn't really, I always wondered if I was doing it the right way. That That's really been a theme in my whole life. Like, am I doing this friendship thing right? Am I doing college? You know, when I left um, Thomasville, um, I, I took a semester, I, I got into FSU. The reason I wanted to go to FSU was because I went I came there to visit. Um, I worked with um, Upper Bound. I was in Upper Bound, and I came to visit on a beautiful day in spring, man, and I fell in love with that campus, and it didn't really dawn on me how big it was. I, well, I had wide eyes, of course, because I mean, I'm from Poland, but I was just like, man, this place is beautiful. I think I want to go, and then um, that was the place, you know, I she was where um, Charlie Ward went. You know, so my dad being right. into sports and stuff was like, yeah, go there. That's awesome. Yeah. So then, you know, like I mentioned before, those those um, expectations and all. And um, I knew I was going to stay close to home for college in general. I'll tell you mm-hmm. a little more about that. I knew that. But getting to FSU and actually being on campus, that, that's the first huge transition um, leaving from Pelham High and going to Thomasville High, that wasn't a big transition. I mean, you know, it's high school to high school, a little bit, yeah. but not a lot. I already didn't know what it was like to have a bunch of friends in Pelham, so it wasn't like I was like, I miss all my friends. You know, it was just and okay. Thomasville's not that much bigger than Pelham. I mean, it's bigger, but it's not right. significantly better. Exactly, exactly. So when I was at the FSU, this is the beginning of the pattern that I began to see in my life now that I reflect on it. I didn't do too great with transitions. And it was a big step. You know, anytime you're stepping in, and I think this is common with a lot of young people, you're stepping in from one environment that you're super comfortable in to another whole new one. And I expected myself to do great. I mean, of course, mm. I got all A's. And, you know, I knew how to school, 
you know, but I didn't know how like life. And so that stuff began to show up and a number of the people and family, I believe they did, they saw it in a way of Felicia's not on board, but it wasn't that. I just didn't know what to do. So when you were at when you were at Florida State, like so that that transition of small town girl to slightly larger town girl in, in Thomasville, but now you've come to the quote unquote big city, mm-hmm. which is so I funny know. to hear people say that because I've heard that before. Like uh-huh. people come from Panama City, come you know, this is the big city, Tallahassee, and so um, when you're experiencing up Florida State, some of that you know uh, that you said you were a quiet child, you were kind of shy. How did that play into like? Because you kind of mentioned before when you were at Florida State, things started to come out that you really didn't know existed, like anxiety or different things that like started to kind of, you know, pop up in that social kind of awkwardness because you didn't really ever have a chance to kind of express yourself that way in smaller towns. So now you're in a big city by yourself. Now you're having to like interact socially, like in ways that you've never had to do before. Right. Um, so just uh, talk a little bit about that, how, how that, that transition from not just small town life, but how, how are you able to adjust socially? Yeah, absolutely. I was in an anthropology class. I remember that over the summer, that summer of 99. And I'm sitting in this anthropology class and I was really smart, you know, so I enjoyed like, um, you know, different interesting things about diversity and culture. So that's why I take that class. And I remember thinking, okay, this may be a thing with this whole, like, what is wrong with me? I remember thinking that when I walked into the class. And instead of being able to focus on the content, um, which I was really interested Mm -hmm. in, I decided in my mind that I was going to fail because there were so many people in the class Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, well, what does that have to do with my performance? You know, and and the, the energy of, I can't do this, this is too much, was just way more than this subject is interesting. I know why I signed up. Like, I wasn't able to really grapple with, okay, feelings get out of my mind. Hey, I'm here. I want to learn this. This is awesome. So the lack of confidence of, yeah, the lack of, um, and then also because of the shyness and not really having, um, I can't really blame this on not really having strong social skills, but I was very hesitant to reach out to this professor. Mm -hmm. And then if I want to see that person at their office hour, I didn't know what to say to them. Like it was just like a grappling kind of a fear. Um, And, you know, something that I thought about in preparing for this, um, you know, I grew up very small, small, small town. And my grandmother, um, she would say things like, you know, when you go into a big city, you know, you can hold on to your purse. Because, you know, there's men out there snatching purses. And (laughs) certain things, like I said, I kind of laugh about it now because it's kind of funny. But I would have that image in my mind, like walking across campus, like somebody's going to come snatch my purse, you know, and I know she meant well, but there was a fear. There was a real fear that she had about different things that um, whenever I saw anything like that, I remembered that, you know, and so, um, so yeah, so anyway, that, that kind of was how it was. And it was still a struggle when I moved to VSU because I, I, I knew it was a problem, Lyle. When I got to the issue, I'm in a smaller place. 
And, you know, this is more conducive to what I'm used to. Now, now for our listeners, I just want to oh. just because they may not get, catch that. So you okay. you were at Florida State for a semester um, right. in, in 99. But then you decided because Florida State was just too big to move uh, to Valdosta State. They may not have picked yeah. up VSU. Okay. So you went from, yeah. from Florida State to Valdosta State, which is right. about what? about an hour, about an hour north of here, right? Something yeah, like yeah. So, and, or, and which is a smaller university, but still, you know, um, so I mean, somewhat large, you know, so yeah. you, went, you went from Florida State to uh, Valdosta State to finish out your, your college career. So that I just wanted to exactly. kind of transition. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, and so, yeah, I, I knew I wanted to be close to Thomasville, though. Like, that was the thing. My sister and my mm-hmm. family were there. And I always had wanted a sister, and, and she, she came actually in November of 99. So I knew, like, I have to be close to her. I want to get to know her while I'm in college. So that was that. And so going to VSU, this is how I knew something was up. And I remember making an appointment at the counseling center after this happened. I remember going to um, the cafeteria where, you know, they serve really good food at this one particular place on campus. And... I noticed the pattern that I would go there at like, I think they close it at let's say seven. I would go there at like 6.30, but even if I was hungry, you know, like if I hadn't eaten anything and I really needed to go eat something, I would wait until 6.45 until pretty much everybody had cleared out. And then I would go in there in kind of a, a, a kind of an anxious way, you know, like moving mm-hmm. quickly and all of that, get my food really fast, put it in a bag and kind of go back to my car as a, I still felt like people would be able to see she's in the country. She doesn't really know what she's talking about. And this, mm. these type of things I picked up from just my environment, not really at home, but just mm. like at FSU. It might have been one person that said, why do you talk like that? Where are you from? You know, it could have been just one person. And I would mm. always carry, oh my gosh, like she knows everything. She's from New York. It's, it's such a, a flat way of seeing the world. But that was my worldview because I really had never really been anywhere to know more about mm-hmm. different things. So what if she talks like that? So what if she's from New York? That doesn't mean that she's better than you, you know? So, so um, mm-hmm. okay. yeah, yeah. That's, I, I, hearing you talk now and, and the Felicia that I know now, it's like the way you described yourself. I mean, now we all we all grow. I mean, you're this is yeah. almost 20 years ago, yeah. uh, if not longer. How, like, what was, when did this transition from that shy, you know, reclusive, almost uh, lack of confidence, like, when did you become the, become the, uh, out of that shell, right, and begin to grow? Was that, was that college? Was that, you know, post-college? Because now you're out there speaking, you, you're very yeah. confident. You, if, you, if, if I was to talk to you at church, I would never pick up that you were this shy, reclusive, almost type person. The, the turning point for me was, I remember when I got the, um, I was crowned homecoming queen for that after the state. And I remember the only reason why I ran was because there had not been a black queen in like maybe six years, if not more. Mm. And I became motivated about leaving my, leaving a mark, like having, having said, I came, I conquered, I did something at this location, at this place. And so I wanted to leave a positive legacy and a, a, a set a mark of um, a standard for myself. And so that was the first time I began to have that kind of self-actualization of I am going to do something for Felicia and not so much yeah. what should I be doing or who said this or am I reaching that level of, of someone else's benchmark. 
And so I got really excited about it and got into uh, campaigning for it and stuff. And it was really fun. And I created my own platform. A lot of the Miss America pageants and um, your journey Miss America, they have like a platform where the young lady will go out and do some community service or do some different things to help people. And um, back in my early years, I had created something um, called Free, Focused, Ready, Esteemed, and Established. And that was something I did when I was um, in college. And I would go back to my hometown of Pelham and have empowerment sessions with women in the library. So I can really say that like the energy and the enthusiasm and the confidence began to build in college. And um, by having that platform at that also say that I believe I went out and that, you know, empowered women, some of the very things I do now, very same thing. Um, during that time when I was queen, I learned about Mercy Ministries that's located in Nashville, Tennessee, and they're a nonprofit. And I began to yearn to know more about how do you start a nonprofit, you know, and I studied up on the executive director, Nancy Alcorn, and I wanted to know, like, what is that about? You know, because it was mm. substantial to me. It stood out to me. It was something I really wanted to do. Um, and not just, I'll just get our corporate job when I graduate from college, which is a lot of what my yeah. friends were saying. So um, that was probably the turning point. And, and what was really, really powerful in that, like, the catalyst for that is that I forgot about how shy I was when I was mm. seeking to help other people. So mm. the, the thing about, I want to help this woman know she was worth it. Even though I had very low self-esteem, I was able to like care so much about that. And I knew the word on a basic level. I didn't really have a full grasp of what it really meant, but I knew how to believe God and know, okay, purity is important. So I would share that with other women, you know, purity, mm -hmm. trusting God about, you know, um, your future husband. Okay. You know, I would share with these, these different positive things. And I became so excited about about the positivity of it. I wanted to help other women know this is something that is an option for you. Isn't this exciting? Mm -hmm. You know, and it was like really probably my first time feeling really happy. Um, you know, was doing something. I discovered I discovered a gift that I had, and it was it was blooming, and I was having fun. Talk, talk a little bit more about how when you get out of college and, you know, you're in grace ministries, now you've kind of tapped into this part of your personality that, that didn't exist almost before and how that played out over the next, I don't know, 10, 15 years leading up to when you started coming to Red Hills. Socially, as I grew and I matured as a woman, I still, you know, didn't have a solid set of friends and, um, you know, it was just a lot of things, you know, and then to go back on the, um, the patterns, you know, once again, here was a transition of, of now I graduated from college, I'm adulting, and I just had a real hard time pivoting and getting used to, okay, this is where I'm at now, let me move forward. I always wanted to kind of go back, but not to say I want to live in the past, just more like, I don't know how to move forward in confidence, because I don't know if I'm doing this thing of life, called, you know, called life. I don't know if I'm doing it right. So, um, so, yeah, at, I did go through a lot of different things. I had, you know, some jobs that I started and stopped in my early 20s, you know, trying to kind of figure my way, um, figure out how I was going to sustain and, and what I really wanted to do and realizing that some of the hobbies that I had, like um, I love makeup, and so I was doing a little bit of that um, in college and making some money doing weddings and different things and having to really come to the understanding of, 
that's not really something in Tallahassee that I can really do. Um, because after I finished that officer, I moved to Tallahassee, and that's not really a lucrative job. You know, like I have to move somewhere to do that, and that's kind of disheartening. If you like something, you're good at it. You know, so just having to really navigate. You know, how do I do this thing called life? And yeah. there's no more homecoming. You know, there's no more. Okay, all the things I'm comfortable doing, Lyle, there's no more. Like, when I was in college, I didn't have friends. I would go shopping, you know? Me and mom did that when I was young. I knew how to shop, so go shop, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, and and I just didn't have that communication with people like that, that, that really, really rich social interaction. So, um, but you know what? A turning point came in Tallahassee when I met this awesome guy named Lewis. And I was working part-time at FSU, and Lewis would come by the office, um, and he would always say hello, and he would always wear these really nice suits and stuff, and so he stopped by one morning and said, hello, how are you? I'm Lewis. And I was just, like, shocked that he was speaking to me, because I was thinking, who is this man? And again, being quite sheltered, I just thought, you know, if he was, if, I was just thinking, like, if you want to take me on a date? you're not going to be able to take me on a date. And that sounds like a diva. That sounds like a diva. But what I meant was, what I really meant was, I don't know you. And my dad said, that if I ever got pregnant, there would be some real problems. So you know what? Back up, brother. Back up. Don't come around here. And so, so Lewis thought that was just funny. And, um, you know, I would be very, like, standoffish to him. But he was really cool. And he was like, well, let me take you out. Let's go out to eat one day. He said, let's go out to eat. He didn't say, let me take you out. And I was like, well, I'm paying for my own food, okay? And he was like, chill. That's fine, you know? <laughs> and so we had so much fun. And um, I found out that he has a really vibrant family and similarities to my family. And we laughed. And, you know, we started to keep in touch. Um and Lewis really supported that I'm a, I love speaking. I met him around 2006. So that was around the time when I was still adjusting, you know, up, having ups and downs in adulting. But I did have a, a radio show by then called The Motivational Vitamin. So that was that creativity. You know, I was able to exercise, do my creative stuff with that. So that was like a, a huge boost for confidence. And so I got along pretty good for the next couple of years, having that in my life. I was stable, working um, a job. And, and then, you know, Lewis was there, and he turned out to be a guy that I strictly put in the um, guy zone. And he was like, okay, well, okay. I mean, he was just so nice. But I'm like, you got to be in the guy I mean, I, to hear myself say these things out loud, it makes me cringe because it's like, oh, my God, that's so mean. But I didn't, I didn't do it on purpose. Like, I wasn't trying to be a spoiled brat. I was just like, you know, if you're looking for something, brother, don't. Because I'm not getting in trouble with my father. You know, I mean, it was just, it was just a lot. But Lewis is such a good guy. And he hung in there. And um, he started helping me manage my speaking engagement. And um, he was actually the one that helped me to be able to eventually speak at Mercy Ministries um, in 2007. And so that was pretty cool to have that full circle moment happen um, because I remember when I was looking at that information in 2003 and I learned about that ministry and then to be able to fly out to Nashville and speak there. And, you know, Lewis was a big part of negotiating that opportunity for me. It was, it was pretty cool. And so I moved in. He did ask me one day if, 
we could date. And I was like, no, Louis, it would mess up our friendship and it would be weird. So it's really funny, Lyle, because he and I didn't talk to each other for a day. We were kind of like both embarrassed to talk to each other for like a day. And then the next day he was like, okay, so what are you doing? And I'm like, okay, let's go do something to eat. So you you had mentioned earlier that just dealing with uh, some of the you know anxiety and things of that nature kind of came to a, a tipping point. So can you can you just maybe uh, explain like when was that? When when your life were because you because you had mentioned like you were you were helping all these women and, and, and be, trying to be like you know a motivating factor in their life and helping encourage them through difficult times. When did um, when did you begin to, to, to work on yourself? Because you had said that right. while you were helping those people, you were kind of underlying issues struggling with on your own. So when did that right. kind of become a tipping point for you? Yeah, I realized around shortly thereafter, um, yeah, shortly after Mercy Ministries, I started really having a lot of um, feelings of overwhelm and not so much um, anxiety, but more so depression. Um, some of those were situational factors, you know, just dealing with looking back, looking back at my life and seeing not a whole lot of um, continuity and, and judging mm-hmm. myself, comparing myself with other people and thinking about my past and, and where I had been and all that. So that was a damper. And then, um, you know, you just really begin to, begin to think about life a lot more as you approach 30. And um, I just started really dealing with that. It, there was actually a chemical imbalance. So there was that other layer of that, which was a heaviness. So yeah. um, that was tough. And um, I gained a lot of weight in that season. It was really hard. So the breaking point for me, um, all throughout that season, Lyle, not a lot of wins, you know, not not really experiencing really a lot of wins, feeling feeling awful about myself and then not feeling well physically, right? Um, was mm-hmm. tough. But um, I was going to church, you know. I, I was probably church hopping by then. Um, Nobody, I felt people didn't understand me and I didn't feel good most of the time. You know, I felt misunderstood mm. a lot. And so I just, you know, probably was visiting churches and not really growing roots anywhere. Um, my mother was always a huge supporter and she loved me through every season of my life and especially the really dark ones. Um, she was always just there and she quoted a lot of the word of God and she knew the word very, very well. And so I would go to her and glean from her and she was always just she's such a patient woman so um I remember when um, my grandmother passed away in 2014 and that was that was tough and then um the fall of 2016 unfortunately my mother was diagnosed with stage four small cell lung cancer and um you know it was that was awful I mean mm. I couldn't I couldn't even I couldn't even breathe, and hmm. I don't know how she felt, but I can only imagine, you know, like, all of us were in shock, and so, um, so I, there was this whole, this breaking, you know, this breaking going through uh, my whole system leading up to that point, and then mom, you know, like, really, God? It was, it was um, an October evening in 2016. Mom was diagnosed um early 2016, so it was probably a few days after um, the diagnosis had come through um, when she was at the hospital, and they had explained to her what it was and to the whole family, and we were outside on the porch, 
and she she was she was just like you know she called me Isha, and she said Isha, you know I don't mama don't have long, mama don't got long baby, you know, and you know I've been smoking those cigarettes for a long time, and and she just leaned her head on my shoulder, and um, I just knew then like this is this is real. I already knew like my you know mom still cancer. Are you serious? But but it just it just dawned on me like oh my god, and so. She laid on my shoulder and I'm crying. Tears are just falling down my eyes and I'm wiping tears from her eyes. And I really, really feel like the amount of pain that I was feeling in that moment, that was a huge, like God, like supernaturally broke some things off of my spirit um, that have to do with hiding. And literally, I could not hide anymore after we left that porch and at the sun sunset I knew that was the end of old Felicia and I didn't know exactly what that meant but I knew something something was about to really happen in my life and if my mother got closer and closer to going on to be with the Lord she would tell me very vivid things and I would have dreams of confirming different things and um really I just learned how to unconditionally love my mother through the time when she was really really sick and you know, when you when you watch somebody that, that cared for you as a baby and you love them dearly and then they then would kind of become like a child and you're the, you're there, it, it, it it's just mind blowing. But I saw the hand of Christ through that like never before. And I knew, okay, God is real. Like I remember what I read about in the Bible that I used to tell people about, you know, in good in pure intention, you know. When I would read and say, God is good, and then I was seeing him hold my family together through the worst, like, fire of just issues. My dad was going through some things with his health. I was going through some stuff with my health with undiagnosed diabetes and my siblings, Poochie, Moo, Bully, all heartbroken. I mean, and, and mom was a core. She was a core. So the, the biggest lesson that I learned, um, Lyle, the biggest lesson that I learned it has to do with identity. And when mom passed, I realized that my identity was wrapped up a lot in in my spiritual identity. Well, let me call mom. You know, well, mom will pray about it. Mom, I know mom, she has a word. Mom always has a word, you know. And yeah. I realized, like, Tisha, you got to know this word for yourself. And so the whole, after 2007, up until really 2017, 10 years um I was not speaking and the Lord had been dealing with me and I was pursuing healing this whole time trying to find good um counselor you know good therapist and the wish was in full support of that and the biggest thing that I want people to, to really get from this law is just that don't ignore if there's an intermittent under undercurrent of of anxiety or depression you know it's a thing it's not a spirit. It's not, you know, I don't want to go against what people believe in the word because I'm not here to do that. I'm not here to do that. But for me, I had done all the religious things and jumped over pews and, and anointed my head with oil and, and not, you know, not literally jumping over pews, but, you know, just the things of the, the church and what the saints described. And I was sick. So um, after I got help, um, things really flared up around the time I passed away. But um, yeah, I I just I feel like a new person, and I 
am doing great. And I know that I shall never forget what I learned in the valley of the shadow of death. And so having gone through that, um, there's this, I, hey, I, like I say recently, I told you this, the best kind of walking is walking on water. And I, what I do now with beautiful healing, I don't, I don't know what is next in a lot of ways as far as provision, but the Lord has opened the doors wide and shown me clearly, like, you better not stop on the calling that's in your heart and on your life because beautiful healing is for um daughters of the king of all of his daughters and um and he has helped me to realize how many sisters in Christ I have and how many um sisters want to rise up and be used for the kingdom and do great things and have gifts and talents that they don't even know they have and and to glorify him. A verse that really stands out for me is Psalm forty six, um chapter Psalms, chapter forty six, verse five. And it says, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. And um, something that the Lord helped me with is um, realizing that all of the things that I've been through can be used for his glory. And um, sometimes people say, you know, it doesn't include all the glory details, but give him glory. But many times, you know, the Lord will lead you to tell your testimony the way he wants you to tell it. And um my my hope and prayer, my heart's desire is to um, explain the blueprint to women and girls early on before life gets away. Um, just as in that verse, it says, God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. And so that feels like to me the beginning of the day. And I just pray mm-hmm. that that can be, you know, um, that I can be obedient in that. And I thank you for this opportunity. It's really cool. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for your willingness to share that. Uh, you have an amazing spirit about you. I love your willingness to want to help people. Uh, it's an encouragement. It's just, it's a, you're going to be used by, by Jesus in a powerful way. Thank you so much, Lyle. I, I really, really appreciate it.